Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. We are in, a, as Nick said, this final week of our smoke signals, and it comes down to, to this. Really, one of the most, most difficult things that we face in our life is, is, is how we handle discouragement, how we handle despair. And, and we talked last week about this emotion of, of, of even depression, that when a difficult thing happens in our life, and that can be a breakup, a, a middle school student that you go through, it could be a, a loss of a job in your, in your 40s, it could be a diagnosis, it could be a divorce, it could be all these things that, that just happen as a part of life. And then we tend to spiral into real discouragement in our life. And if, if we don't handle that discouragement well, we move into uh, greater levels of despair and then ultimately uh, depression. And so we're going to talk today about really how to learn the lessons from the pit of depression. Last week, if you were here in part one of this uh, sermon, we talked about how to be depressed. We gave you five easy steps to depression, which was for, for some of you really weird. But uh, today we're going to really talk about how God wants to liberate us from it. So I'm super excited. Let's just look back at the definition for depression that we had uh, last week. We said this depression is really, it's feeling stuck in a pit with no hope. And sometimes in our life, we find ourselves there, feeling stuck in a pit with no hope. And you might think if you weren't here last week, that's like really a, a goofy definition. Well, it's not so much a definition as it is a visual. And we're taking this from Jeremiah's life. And you might say, well, who's Jeremiah? Well, great question. Jeremiah was a, a prophet of God, a preacher of God, about 600 years before Christ came to the nation of Israel. Uh, he wrote uh, the second longest book in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. And he's going to write our book today that we're looking at, Lamentations, which, uh, which means uh, lament or, or a book of laments. And you're like, well, super cool. I'm excited to get up today and come to church so we could study a book about lamenting. And uh, I want us to kind of acknowledge that. That's sort of tough, but I think there's some really important things for us to learn. But before we begin to read Lamentations, because Lamentations is different from any other book in the Bible, Lamentations is just so raw, and, and, and you, can, you can read and you can think, what in the world is going on? So I think it's really important to understand a little bit of backstory uh, about Lamentations. First of all, Jeremiah, this prophet, is writing Lamentations most likely from a pit. Jeremiah was preaching to the nation of Israel, and he's known as the weeping prophet because he is telling them, he's telling them just very clearly for 40 years that, hey, you've rebelled against God, you have all these idols in your life, the nation of Israel was meant to be a light to the nations. In other words, they were supposed to follow God's will and follow God's ways and put him first in all things, and then the other nations would follow that. But they did just the opposite. They began to follow the practices and the beliefs of all the other nations and incorporate them into their uh, lifestyle. And so they're rebelling against against God. And so Jeremiah has this uh, difficult task of saying, unless you repent, judgment is going to come. God has been so gracious and he's been so patient with you for all these years, but judgment's going to come. And they just laughed at Jeremiah. And not just laughed at Jeremiah, Jeremiah faced all kinds of abuse. He, he was unable to marry. Uh, his family rejected him. He was at one point beaten by a mob of, of his fellow Jews. He was arrested and exiled into Egypt. Then he was brought back and he was placed, as we're going to see today, into a cistern, into a pit, and sank down into mud up to his, his armpits. And so all this comes to him because he's doing what God called him to do. And sure enough, what Jeremiah said 
what happened did happen. The Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar came down and destroyed the nation of Israel because of their sin. And so let, let's pick up and you say, well, why did you take so long with this backstory? Because as we begin to read Lamentations, if you don't really understand a bit about the author and what he's going through, it doesn't make a lot of sense, all right? Now let's look, starting in verse 1 of, of Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. And to that, yes. I mean, he was, he was beaten. He was placed in, in stocks at one point under arrest. He was dropped in a, in, in a pit. So here's a man who's experienced some difficult stuff. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Now, who is the he that Jeremiah is talking about here? Well, it's God. And so Jeremiah is saying, God, you've done this. And have you ever felt that way? You ever felt like God was against you and, and God was punishing you? And, and Jeremiah has these really raw feelings. Verse 3, indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old, and he has broken my bones. And so what, what Jeremiah is saying in verse 4 is he's saying, all that I've experienced, all these difficult things, they've affected me physically and emotionally. He says, I look much older than I am. I mean, stress can do that to you, right? I mean, I used to have tons of hair. I started pastoring. I lost all of my hair in just a, a matter of years. You're, you're laughing. It's true. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. Jeremiah says, you know what, I, I, I'm here, I'm in this pit, I'm in this dark place emotionally, even in this dark place physically. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out for help, he shuts out my prayer. Have you ever felt that way? Nobody on Thursday night agreed either, but at times we, we were like, man, God, where are you? We're calling out to you, but it's like you don't listen to me. And this is creating so much anguish in Jeremiah's life. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Verse 10, Jeremiah's explaining and, and telling you his experience. This is what he feels like emotionally. This is a, a depressed man. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. Now, did you hear what Jeremiah just said? He said, God, here's what it feels like right now to be in relationship with you. It feels like I was walking down a path and that you came out like a bear and you came out like a lion and you mangled me and you left me on the side of the road to bleed out. Like nobody put that on their Instagram feed for their devotion one day this week, right? All right, this verse has really meant a lot to me. I wanted to share it with all of you. God mangled me like a bear. Hashtag blessed. It doesn't get put on a coffee cup, right? Like, you know, this is real emotion. It says in verse 12, he, he's speaking about God. He, he drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. God, it feels like you're, you're shooting at, at, at me. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all of my people. They mock me in song all day long. So let's stop here and, and breathe. And let's try to assess what's going on. Because, again, I mean, this is some pretty raw emotion, isn't it? I mean, you wonder why Jeremiah's editor didn't go to him and say, hey, Jeremiah, I just read your stuff in Lamentations. Dude, that is dark, man. And that's not going to sell. You know, I don't, think we can, I don't think we can move that. You know, I mean, like kind of what David did with some of the Psalms, that was encouraging and uplifting. That, that stuff moves. I mean, the Song of Solomon, uh, that has really moved well. We've sold a lot of that. But I don't know that we're going to be able to sell this, Jeremiah. Jeremiah's not concerned about selling this. Jeremiah's concerned about really being honest about what's going on. And, and so here's the first thing you need to know when you find yourself in a pit. 
We need to be honest in the pit, and Jeremiah is that. Jeremiah is honest about how he is feeling in the pit. And I want to tell you this, that honesty, when you are going through a time of discouragement and despair and even depression, I shared with you last week that uh, there was a time in, in, in my life about 12 years ago that I moved into a pretty intense time of depression. It was a difficult, difficult season in my life. And it has been amazing to me that how many people have shared with me, even in the last couple of weeks, that they struggle from time to time with discouragement and despair and even depression. So we need to be honest about what we're feeling, what we're feeling and that will start the liberation process. Now, here's the thing. If you suppress those feelings, you suppress those feelings of discouragement and even anger or resentment that you have toward God, if you suppress those feelings and don't talk to anybody about those feelings, then we just go into a deeper pit, right? That's the problem with this. Now, this is really important. Now, watch what we're we're about to talk about here. And we see this in Lamentation so clearly. Our feelings are real. Jeremiah's feelings, what he is feeling is real. Our feelings are real, but they're not fully informed. Does that make sense to you? They're honest. It's honest. Jeremiah is honest about how he feels, but they're not fully informed, meaning God's doing something far greater. There's a bigger picture. He doesn't see all there is to see. Can somebody just, uh, just nod that you're kind of in agreement? It's honest. He's honest about what he feels in that moment, but he doesn't see the big, the big picture. He might, these are honest feelings. They just may not be accurate feelings. Now, and, 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 and again, let, let's say this. Well, why is this stuff in the Bible? Why is something so dark and so discouraging in, in the Scripture? Because I think it really says to us that God understands how we feel when we're in the pit. Right? You see that? God understands how you're, you feel when you're in the pit. And look at this. When, when God allows a pit in our life, and they will come, you will go through pits in your life. Difficult times, dark times, discouraging times. When God allows a pit, and this is one of the hardest things because there's a lot of different reasons why we go through a pit. Sometimes, sometimes it's because other people hurt us, and some of you have experienced depression in your life, and it's somebody else's fault. They hurt you. Sometimes it's our own fault because of our own sin in our life. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world. Does that, does that make sense? And sometimes God is just allowing us to go through that because he wants to do something in our life. There's all kinds of reasons. But when God allows a pit, I don't believe it's to punish us or to push us away, but ultimately to draw us closer. That's what we're going to see. Now, I remember this from both of my boys. I think they were about a, about a year old. And you remember, you, you take them and, and, and they get these rounds of shots, right? They have to go get all of these shots. And and, and, and please don't, don't email me and tell me you don't get those shots. For, I'm, I'm good. My boys are fine. They're grown. Um, but I still remember holding them. And, and I remember being in the doctor's office and the doctor saying, well, j- just hold them still. Like, I feel like, I'm not trained for this. I, right? I thought this was your job. Right? You're going to reduce my bill or something here? Just hold them still. And so they start just popping them with shots. And, you know, and the look on a one-year-old's face when you're holding them and pain comes into their life, they look at you like, I trusted you. <laughs> and you're letting, I don't know what a one-year-old thinks, but can, can you get inside their mind and think, I tr- you're, you're letting this happen. Like they're screaming and they're throwing a fit and you're holding them down even tighter while they get another shot and another shot. That has to be confusing. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if you're in the mind of a one-year-old, that has to be confusing. Now, we get the bigger picture of that, don't we? I mean, everybody get that? You know, we're doing that for a reason, to protect them in the future. But the Bible says that God's ways are much higher than our ways. Are the ways of a 20-something-year-old adult higher than a one-year-old? Yes, we would, hopefully, <laughs> in theory, right? Should be. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the hope. 
but how much higher are God's ways than our ways? So sometimes we're in a pit and our feelings are real in that pit, but they're not fully informed, right? But look on down at verse 31 of Lamentations chapter 3. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. So if, if God has, has allowed us to be in a pit right now, there's a purpose. It's not to punish us. It's not to push us away. It is so that we can understand more about who he is. So here's what starts the liberation process. If you're here today, you're watching at, uh, at Buchanan, you're watching online. Uh, if you're in a pit today of discouragement, I think it's important to be honest about your feelings. Jeremiah sure was. God can handle that. Number two, it's important to remember that you're not alone in the pit. Man, you listen to Jeremiah's story, and I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know the discouragement that you're feeling right now. But I think you would say, here's a dude that gets it. Like sometimes when we're in a pit, we feel so isolated. We think we're the only person going through this, and no one has ever experienced what I'm experienced today. And isolation really breeds a greater level of depression. Jeremiah understands. I, I told you last week we talked about depression here all weekend. I went and spoke on Monday at a, at a conference for pastors. They asked me to speak on depression, right? I'm so thankful that the Vols won yesterday. It gave me, you know, it was an encouraging thing. I don't know if you noticed that, whatever. <laughs> but afterwards, after speaking, Amy and I were there in Knoxville. After speaking to a group of pastors, it was, it was late into the evening before we could leave. Because one by one, grown men just standing and waiting to talk and to tell their story. They're in a pit. They're discouraged. They're depressed. And just knowing that that they're not alone in that is a helpful thing. Can I tell you something? In your pit, you're not alone because God draws so near to us there. You need to know that. You will learn things and see things about the Lord in the pit that you'll never see any, anywhere else. Now, let's read on. Lamentations chapter 3. Let's start looking down at verse 19. Let's pick up there. Jeremiah just continues to talk about all the discouragement, all the despair that he's feeling. But we are about to, if I could set this up, we're about to look at, I think, one of the most significant passages uh, in the Old Testament. Lamentations is all hard, mostly difficult. It is five chapters of despair and tucked right in the very middle of chapter three is the answer. And it's short, but it is powerful. So let's take a look at it, right? Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3.19, he said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. He's saying, I, I remember all these difficult things that I've gone through. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Do you see that in verse 20? Verse 19, verse 20, what is Jeremiah saying? I keep playing the tapes. I keep remembering all these difficult things that have happened to me. The arrest, the imprisonment, the family turning away, the, my, my own people turning against me. I keep remembering them over and over again. He said, as I remember them, then my soul gets more downcast. It's just emotionally I'm going into a deeper and deeper pit. Now, verse 21 is the linchpin. Here it is. This is the most important passage in, in Lamentations, right? Listen to what Jeremiah says. And can you just see this dude in a pit, stuck in mud up to his armpits, so discouraged? And listen to what he says. Yet this I call to mind. 
and therefore I have hope. We said last week, any time that we're experiencing uh, discouragement, despair, or depression, that is like smoke, right? That's what this series is about. It's like smoke. Now, the problem is, 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 is we, don't, we don't need to, you know, you, you burn bacon in your house. You don't just need to get the, waft the smoke out of your kitchen. You need to get the burning bacon off the stove, right? Some of you are like, that's, that's super helpful. No, you need to get down to the fire. But the fire that is fueling despair, discouragement, and depression is this. It's always hopelessness. It's anytime we feel hopeless about something, that's the fire. And the smoke is our emotions, our feelings, discouragement, our despair. So Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. We're going to practice this today before we leave. It'll be a helpful thing to you, I really believe. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Jeremiah, again, he stops replaying the tapes just about all the negative things. Now he's remembering God's nature, who God is and what he has done. He says, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, from the pit, Jeremiah says, one thing I know, every single morning the sun comes up, I can look up, I can see, God, you're just faithful, and I know that you have enough grace and enough mercy for me every single morning to meet uh, my need. He says, your, morning, your, your mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I say to myself, look at verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. This is a powerful, powerful verse because here's what's happening. During this time, Jeremiah again has warned the nation of Israel for 40 years that because of your rebellion, God is not going to always be patient with you. Sooner or later, he's going to judge your sin, right? And they're like, yeah, 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 Jeremiah. They didn't say it like that, but you know, we don't believe you. We're good. And finally, the Babylonians come. Jeremiah even called his shot. He, he told them who was coming. And sure enough, they did. And history tells us. The Bible's not the only book that talks about this. You, you, if, you, if you took world history and, and high school, you, you, you learned about the Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar comes down and he destroys Israel. He, he destroys the temple in Jerusalem. And he begins to take Jews in exile back to Babylon. And, and murders and rapes and pillages all along uh, the way, right? And so th- this, 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 literally, this literally happens, what Jeremiah is, is talking about. But nobody, nobody wanted to hear it. And, and one of the things that bothered them so much, the Jews so much, is that they lost their land, land that had been passed down to them from generation to generation to generation, land that God had given them. And so they lost their portion, Right? Not only have they lost their children, but they'd lost their land. And Jeremiah says this from the pit. He says, I've come to realize something in the pit. God, you are my portion. You're my portion. He says, you know what? I can lose everything, and I have, but if I have you, you're my portion. You're my strength. Boy, that's great insight. That's powerful, powerful truth that you only learn from the pit. It isn't that Jeremiah wanted all that stuff to happen. That stuff did happen, but God did something that even redeemed that in in the midst of that. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, Jeremiah says, the one who seeks him. It is good to wait. Underline this in your Bible if you would, and we'll, we'll jump off here for a second. Jeremiah says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, let's look at the final two lessons from the pit just in the next few minutes. Are you okay? These are the most important ones. It's important to be honest about what you're feeling. It's important to remember that you're not alone in the pit, but here we go. Here's the third thing. You got to learn to sit in the pit. You got to learn to sit in the pit. That's why Jeremiah says it is, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, verse 26. Because when we're in a pit, listen, everybody lean into this. If you're a Buchanan, listen. 
when we're in a pit, when we're going through a discouraging time, a downtime, when we're, we're experiencing depression, what we, we normally do is we, we want to wallow in shame. And pits deepen. Your pit will get deeper when you wallow in shame. What is shame? It's really self-hatred at my expense. Right? You want to beat yourself up in a pit and continue to woe is me and talk about all the negative things you've done and just got all this negative self-talk, self-hate at my expense. That's shame. It'll just make your pit go deeper. Well, your pit will go deeper if you just focus on blaming others for your pit. All the people that have wronged you and hurt you and the mistakes that they have made, you focus on others and live in unforgiveness, your pit will deepen. Or you quickly in a pit try to dull the pain, right? Because here's the bottom line. We just want out of a pit as fast as we can. Does that make sense? We want to climb out of a pit as fast as we can. And so one of the things that we will do when we're in the, in the midst of a pit, Jeremiah says it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We don't want to wait. And so we'll, we'll go to some substances to get us out of a pit just to make us feel better. We'll jump into a bad relationship. We'll do a little retail therapy, just whatever to make the feelings go away. That's where we are in our culture. We don't want to feel any negative feelings. We want them to be replaced with some good things as quick as possible. Do you see that? But the problem is it only deepens our pit. We just fall into a deeper pit. I never will forget when I was going through my most difficult time of depression, I went to my doctor because I couldn't sleep. And I was just up throughout the night, you know, and, and I just went to him and I said, man, I just want to go to sleep. Can you give me something to go to sleep? And he's like, tell me about it. I said, I, I go to sleep at night and I just wake up and then all night I'm just thinking about this stuff and I, I just can't sleep. So I just, I just wish you could give me something to help me go to sleep. And he said, have you ever thought that maybe God doesn't want you to go to sleep? I said, no, I've never thought about that. He said, well, maybe, maybe God's trying to tell you something. That's the only time you've been quiet all day. Why don't you just get up and listen? I went to another doctor, <laughs> and he gave me something. I went, no. I thought, man, I mean, he, to be honest, he was right. You know, why don't I just stop and listen? Lord, here I am. You, you, you see, I wanted something just to get me out of the pit, climb out as fast as possible, right? Just give me something to take so this can be over instead of saying, God, speak to me. Here I am. Because we want quick deliverance from our pit. And God oftentimes is about slow transformation. That's very different. And life's most valuable lessons, you're going to learn them in the pit. And so I think here's one of the things that's so important. If you're in a pit, listen, I think it makes a lot of sense that you just say to God, here I am. I don't want to waste this moment. I don't like this moment. I don't like this moment. But I don't want another one. I want to learn whatever it is you want me to learn right now in this place. And I'm done with trying to climb out on my own. Teach me what you want me to learn, right? For, for me, and I'm sharing this, it's a bit, still a bit embarrassing. When I start talking about my period of depression, I, I went away to Counseling Center out west. and It was a super helpful thing for me. And so I, I wanted to finally learn once and for all, instead of just trying to escape the pain, God, teach me in the pit. What is it you want me to learn? And really one of the things that God began to show me in that time in my life, uh, because the church, you know, I, I had been here just several years. The church was growing, and I didn't know how to lead. I, I hate to tell you that. I, I, I was just in fake it till you make it mode. You ever been like that? You haven't? I feel pretty isolated. <laughs> right? I didn't know how to lead, but I didn't want you to know I didn't know how to lead, Right? And I was just overwhelmed, and all around me, things were just spinning so fast inside my marriage. It was difficult with my children. It was I was just in a tough, tough spot. And one of the things that God showed me in the pit was this. Brady, I'm way more concerned about the condition of your heart than the size of your church. 
God says, I'm not impressed with how many people are coming on Sunday morning. I'm impressed with what's going on within you, your love for me, your love for others. What's going on in here is what I'm really about. I had to learn that lesson in the pit because I got sidetracked. Sometimes in the pit, listen, I, I use this word, please watch this. Sometimes in the pit, God is trying to remove an idol from our lives. I'm not saying that every time you're in the pit, that's what God's up to, but sometimes that's what God's up to. Psalms 119, 71 says this. The psalmist says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. I wish it wasn't this way, man. I wish it wasn't this way. But here's what I know after I'm doing this for about the last 30 years of my life. About the only time most people really grow spiritually is when they're in the pit. When something rocks their world. I wish it wasn't that way. But it is that way. And sometimes we're in the pit. God's trying to remove an idol. So can I give you a visual today? Can I give you a visual that I think is really important? Since you're in the pit, since you're already there, could you see your pit as a grave for your idol? Could you see it as a gift of God's grace? I mean, the hole's already dug, right? Could you see it that way? And since the hole is already dug, why don't I just go ahead and leave this thing in here? Because let me tell you something. If you take your idol, if you climb out of the pit with your idol, you will very quickly fall into a deeper one. So you might as well, sooner or later, you might as well just say, here I am, the hole's already dug, let's use this. I'm going to leave that thing in the pit. Since the hole's dug, I might as well bury it. Now, what are the idols sometimes that God is, is trying to reveal to us in the, in the pit? For, for me, I share this with you in hopes that it will help you. For me, it was just the idol of approval. I just wanted, I, I, I wanted, I wanted everyone's approval. I wanted people to be pleased with me, to be, to be happy with me. This is, a, this is a lousy profession to be in if you're a people pleaser, to, to, to be honest, right? It is. I mean... Um, it's, it's difficult, but I was, I was a slave to that, to people's approval. I have told this story hundreds of times. When I went to counseling, here's what my counselor, Christian counselor, biblical counselor, here's what he said. He said, Brady, I want you to, I want you to understand one thing. He said, the only person's opinion about you that really matters has already voted. Why don't you just rest in that? And I don't know if, I, I know I've told you that multiple times, but you don't listen to most of what I say. I'm, I get that, right? I mean, that was just like light bulbs came on for me. Like, it, it doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what other people think, and I'm totally done with that. But you know what? I, I began to leave that idol in the pit that day, that idol of approval, and trying to get everybody's approval and wanting everybody to like me because I realized the only person that really matters has already voted. He died for me. Can I just tell you something? If you're in a pit today and God has revealed an idol to you, the hole's already dug, it just makes sense. Why don't you just go ahead and leave it there? And you could experience some liberation. For some of you, it's just accomplishment that is your idol, right? It's just more and more and more accomplishment. For some of you, it's pleasure, right? Pleasure is your idol. It's just the next good feeling, whether that is uh, something that, that pornography brings on or, or sexual immorality brings on or, or maybe it is just what substances bring on. It's just a constant desire just to feel good, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. For some of you, it's just money. Money is your God. Money is your God. It's what you look to more than anything else and it is controlling your life. You think about it, you trust it more than you trust the Lord. I mean, sooner or later, listen, sooner or later, the hole's already been dug. Why don't you leave it there? Some of you, your kids are your idol, right? That's what you think about and care about more than anything else. And I'm not saying leave your kids in the hole. That will like mess them up. 
right? I mean, don't go home. Daddy's digging a hole. We're putting you in it. Pastor said that. No, you understand what I'm saying. God, I have placed any of these things over you. And if, 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 listen, if you have anything in your life, whether that is accomplishment, achievement, pleasure, possessions, children, anything in your life that you place over God, that's idolatry. And if you climb out with it, you're just falling into a deeper hole. So leverage this. Look at verse 25. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. The one who seeks him is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Look at verse 27. I love this. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. You're younger today than you're ever going to be in your life. Is that profound? Like, whoa. It's heavy, bro. It's good to bear the yoke while you're young. Right now is the best day to repent of an idol instead of keeping on to carrying it into your future because there's just another pit waiting. Sometimes God allows pits just to humble us. Pits will do that. Uh, we're planning a series after the first of the year through First and Second Samuel that we're really excited about. ton of great stories. You remember if you grew up uh, with King David and, and David and Goliath. You, you know, there's some great stories in First and Second Samuel. But there's this overall thread through it that's just so amazing. So we're, we're excited about it. One, one of the stories that we're not going to get a chance to preach on uh, is this story in Second Samuel chapter 16. It's a story of, of, of David. Now, David had, at this point, had become king of Israel, but his son Absalom had formed a coup, and he had run his dad out, and he had taken over. His son had overthrown David, so David is not the king of Israel. His son is there, and so David is on the run with a few of his mighty men, and he's fleeing for his life. I mean, that's got to be pretty depressing when, you're, when your son throws you out, right? And, and you're kind of out on your ear, and you've lost the kingdom. And as he's going through this town, this guy comes out, Second Samuel chapter 16. Uh, his name is uh, Shemaiah. And he's a descendant of King Saul, which was the king before David. And he is cursing David, and he is throwing rocks at David. And like he is calling him everything. And he's saying all kinds of negative things about him and saying, you know what, this happened. You deserve what's coming to you, you murderer, and on and on and on. I mean, he's pelting him with rocks. And one of David's dudes says this, should I just go relieve that guy's head from him? That's an Old Testament way. Like, I mean, that's rough in the Old Testament. Hey, you want me to cut his head off? Because I can do it. And David says, uh, no, don't do that. In fact, just let him keep talking. Maybe God's allowed him to say something, and maybe I need to hear something. See, sometimes God allows pits in our life to humble us. A.W. Tozer said this. It's a tough statement. Tozer said it's doubtful whether God can bless a man or woman greatly until he's hurt him deeply. I would say humbled him deeply. So God, are you using this to humble me? Because the Bible says God opposes the proud, but God offers grace to the humble. Are you using this to humble me? Here's the next thing God might be doing. God might be teaching us compassion in the pit. God might be giving you in the pit the ability to relate to others in ways that you couldn't without the pain. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. I would tell you this just about Amy's cancer. I, I, I don't pick up my phone now to call anybody in our church who is hurting, who is sick, who's lost a loved one without seeing that and thinking about them in a much different way, in a much different way. 
And sometimes God allows a pit for that reason to have more compassion. And then lastly, here we go. Can you shake the cobwebs out? Most important thing, and I got three minutes to get there. Can you listen hard for three minutes? You got it in you? Buchanan, I, good. I just heard Veronica, I think, all the way from 15 miles away. We got a call to mind truth in the pit. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. This is what changes everything. This is what starts to change the narrative for Jeremiah. Yet this I call to mind. Let me tell you something. Your emotions, there are going to be very few people that will tell you that. In fact, there are multitudes of people that will disagree with what I'm about to say, right? Multitudes of people. We are a culture that are controlled by our, our feelings. Our feelings are preeminent in the culture that we live in today, right? But your emotions or your feelings don't have brains. You understand that? They can't think. They can't show faith. And you have to think for them. You have to show them faith. You have to show them how to feel. And that's what Jeremiah does. Jeremiah says, yet this I call to mind. He is telling his emotions how to feel. Now watch how he does that. He begins to talk about the nature of God. Great is your faithfulness. He talks about the compassion of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. Call to mind means this. When Jeremiah says, yet this I call to mind. Call to mind means this. Listen, listen. It means that this thought is not naturally in there, that I have to put it in there. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this quote. I'm going fast. This is so important. He says, there is a sense that which the primary purpose of Scripture is to teach us how to talk to ourselves. Because who do you listen to more than anybody else? You. You. You listen to you more than anybody else. And so you have to learn how to call to mind truth. If not, you'll just move into greater levels of discouragement. Watchman Nee, great Chinese pastor, missionary, in his book, The Ordinary Christian Life, he says it this way. He says he has a visual of three men that are walking on the Great Wall of China. Can you get this in your mind? Three men walking in a straight line on top of the Great Wall of China. They just move back and forth effortlessly. And he said, here's who those three men are. They're truth, faith, and feelings. In that order. Truth, faith, and feelings. What is truth? The truth of God's word. It's, it, it speaks to the truth of his nature. It's what God's, God's word says about him. That's truth. What is faith? Uh, faith are our beliefs. It's our trust in something. Faith always has to have an object. Say that with me. Faith always has to have an object, right? So faith is second in line. And the third is feelings, our emotions, right? And so what Nee is saying is as, as long as there is proper alignment here, truth, faith, and feelings those three men move effortlessly along that wall. But you let faith turn around and look at feelings and then faith and feelings. Those two men fall off the wall. Many times, this is why we get into a pit. Depression often occurs when our feelings trade seats with faith. Watch this. I'm going to say this over and over again multiple times in the next 30 seconds. You don't feel your way into beliefs. You believe your way into proper feelings. And that's what Jeremiah did. He said, but this I call to mind. He had been letting his feelings completely control him and dominate him. But then he traded seats and he said, but this I call to mind. He began to focus on the truth of who God's word was. And what happened immediately, he began, the scripture says, to have what? Hope. This is what will bring hope back into your life. Because feelings don't inform our faith, our faith needs to inform our feelings, right? Now, let's, let's try to apply this. I want to show you how to do this, all right? Let's just, can we do a little exercise really quickly? Three problems to see if we know how to do it. It'll help you so much. You've got to do this. Nobody can do this for you. If you don't learn this technique from Scripture, you're going to continue to move from one pit to the other. But let me ask you, have you ever felt alone? 
I have. You ever felt alone? You ever felt alone and isolated? And you begin to feel that, right? And you begin to say, you know what? I am alone. And your faith will begin to say things. You know what? I am isolated. I am. God has shut me off. I am alone. And you feel more and more alone. And you're going into a deeper, deeper pit. But yet this I call to mind. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. What does it say? The Lord himself will go before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or nor forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. This is what Luther did when he felt alone. He went out in a, in a field and he screamed this. He said, God, you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. And that began to line his life up. God, you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. When you feel alone, you focus on the truth of who God is and what God's word has said. You'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. You begin to get proper alignment. Truth, faith, and then the feelings follow. Do you see that? Have you ever felt hopeless? Give me, let me give you another problem. You ever felt hopeless? I have. You ever felt like your, your past has paralyzed you? You ever felt like you've made so many mistakes that God can never use you? You ever felt like you're always going to be a second-class citizen because of your past? Anybody? Nobody? Yeah, me. And so you, you, you begin to you, you think that way. You begin to believe that way. You feel that way. Romans 8, 28, what does it say? You know this verse, some of you do. And we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. In all things, God, your word says you work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So as I begin to say that, then that truth begins to inform my faith, which consequently informs my what? My feelings. And I begin to have hope. God, you, you, you can work for good in all things, and you have to do this. This has to be a rhythm of your life, right? You ever felt powerless? This is my last one. I'm almost done. Wake up. That's why I'm so discouraged. You got sleep. You ever felt powerless? I'm powerless against this addiction. I'm powerless against this anxiety. I'm powerless against this fear. I'm powerless against food. You ever felt powerless? And, 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 and those beliefs, they, they inform your, your, your feelings, and so now you're controlled by your feelings. Exodus 14, 14, what does it say? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In those times when your, your feelings are controlling your life, feelings of powerlessness, how do you replace that with the truth of God's word? You believe that in faith, and then your feelings begin to be informed because your feelings don't have brains. You have to think for them, right? That is a highly controversial concept, but I believe it is a biblical concept, and that's why Jeremiah calls these things to mind because it begins to inform his feelings, and it begins to give him hope. Hey, as we close this series, there's some smoke in your life. Would you agree that anytime you see smoke, you ought to look into it if it's around the house? That's good, right? Somebody had to think about that. I'm concerned about you. You better look into it. When there's smoke in your life, you better look into it. Don't suppress it. What might this smoke be signaling? What might this smoke of discouragement, depression be signaling? Maybe it's signaling that it's time to be honest about what you're feeling. Maybe it's time for you to learn to sit in the pit and quit being an escape artist and learn what God wants you to learn. Psalms 41, 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. Listen to this. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. God doesn't want you to climb out of the pit. God wants to lift you out of the pit. You understand the difference? You climb out of the pit, you'll fall into another one. But when God lifts you out, you got to sit in the pit and wait patiently when he lifts you out. Listen to what, he, what he'll do. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. You need that? I do. 
He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear our Lord and put their trust in him. What is the smoke revealing in your life? Maybe that you've never learned how to call to mind truth. Maybe your feelings are dictating and dominating your life. Are your feelings real? Yes, they're real. Are they fully informed? No. So you've got to learn to call to mind. For some of you today, listen, something needs to be buried in that pit. It's already dug. And you know there's an idol that God wants you to leave behind in repentance, don't you? Don't you? I don't have to tell you what it is because he already has. There'll never be a better day than today. And here's the bad news. If you keep climbing, you climb out with it, there's a deeper one waiting. So I wonder if you'd bow your head with me today and say this, Father, today, this idol, pleasure, money, kids, achievement, accomplishment, accolades, people-pleasing, whatever it is, has so dictated my life. And I'm here today in part because of it, but today I repent of that. You are my portion. Would you tell him that? You are my portion. You've allowed this pit, and today I see this pit as a tomb for this idol. And so I'm waiting for you to lift me out, and I want to leave that behind. For some of you, as we're praying today, for some of you, you've been in a pit since birth. That pit is called sin. We're all born in a pit. And it's always been one step forward and two steps back for you. Because for the first time, God has never lifted you out of the pit of salvation. You've never trusted him. You've always been trying to achieve everything. You've been a climber all your life, and you've never let him lift you out. Listen, you can't achieve salvation. It's a gift, and today, that first pit is revealing that you need to trust him as Savior and Lord. Have him bring you out. Would you do that today? Father, thank you for the great work that you can do in the pit. And we want you to do that today. We don't want to miss that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.